0: you're listening to the life edit project podcast where busy ambitious high achievers get the tools they need to fight overwhelm and overthinking with balance self-mastery and a positive mindset i'm your host elizabeth burrows I'm serving up bite-sized truth bombs in a judgment-free zone based on my perspective as a life coach, wife, mom, and recovering overachiever. We keep it real over here, which usually means some combination of insightful, entertaining, and a hot mess express. So if you're looking for perfection, look elsewhere. But if you're still with me, let's dig into this week's episode. Good day, good people. Welcome back to the Life Edit Project Podcast. This is episode three, and I'm super excited about it. Um, We have, as always, a juicy episode here for you with a juicy topic that I'm sure will also be helpful to you, and I can't wait to dig in. But first, I just want to thank you for tuning in. Thank you. If this is your first episode that you're catching, welcome. Welcome. If you've already heard episodes one and two, thank you so much for coming back. Um, listen, if if you are three for three, this is your third episode that you are listening to. And it is episode three that I have published. We family now. So, hey. <laughs> okay. In any rate, I'm glad that you are here. And I cannot wait to dig in. Okay. So, in episode two... In the last episode, we talked about superwoman syndrome, which is something that so many of my clients and even I myself as a human being have struggled with in the past. And today's episode, we're tackling another topic that so many of us have directly experienced, analysis paralysis. Of course, before we dig in, I want to start by giving you a definition for this because we, we hear this term talked about all the time. We throw it around, but do we really know what it means and what we're talking about? So here's the Coach Elizabeth definition. Analysis paralysis is the inability to make a decision or take action due to hyper-focusing on collecting and analyzing data, alternatives, or hypotheticals. One more time, because there's a lot of words in this one. Analysis paralysis is the inability to make a decision or take action due to hyper-focusing on collecting and analyzing data, alternatives, or hypotheticals. Now, at the end of the day, analysis paralysis is just a luxury brand of indecision because you're not making decisions. But what makes it analysis paralysis and not generic indecision is what you're doing while you're not deciding i found that there are essentially three main ways people spend their time not deciding when they're in the throes of analysis paralysis fact finding second guessing and what ifing let's go through these one by one So we'll start with fact finding. Fact finding is exactly what it sounds like. It is when you are so focused on gathering all of the data, all of the information, all of the facts. It's when you are trying to know everything about the thing you're trying to decide on. And you're usually trying to know everything in advance, like before you actually have access to all the information. Now, Fact-finding in and of itself doesn't have to be a problem, but it becomes problematic and it creates analysis paralysis when there's no measure of having enough data or enough information. So in typical decision-making, at some point you decide or you declare that you have gathered enough information to consider yourself well-informed or that you have a large enough sample size to draw a conclusion. But in analysis paralysis, you're either working to collect an infinite amount of data or information, or you're requiring yourself to make a decision based on facts that aren't currently available to you. Either way, you can't decide because you feel like you don't have what you need. So that's fact finding. Next is second guessing. When you're second guessing, you think you're deciding because... You are making a choice, but what you're actually doing is flip-flopping. So in second guessing, you select an option, you make a choice or whatever, but then you immediately create uncertainty around that choice and you end up talking yourself out of the decision before you're able to put it into action. So again, you're, you're kind of halfway deciding, but you're not taking action. So you're still stuck. Third is what ifing. So, what ifing is kind of a smash up between fact finding and second guessing because it has the open endedness of fact finding and it has the uncertainty of second guessing. So, when you're what ifing, you're trying to respond to the hypothetical scenarios that might arise from the choice that you haven't even made yet. Now, interestingly, it doesn't matter if the hypotheticals you're dreaming up are positive or negative, if you think they're good or terrible your brain is still convinced that you need to make one decision right now that encompasses your response to all of the possibilities of all of those hypotheticals. And it doesn't even matter how improbable or insignificant the hypotheticals you're imagining might be. Your brain says, we need to decide for all of that right now. So let me give you an example of how this might play out in a real life scenario. Let's say you want to buy a house, you know, your budget, you even have an idea of the style of architecture you like, but you don't really know what area to buy in because you don't really know enough about school districts and you plan to have a family. So if you were to get stuck in fact finding in this scenario, you might tell yourself that you need to talk to parents who've had kids in some of these schools. So you talk to five parents and you get some good insights and you get some things to think about. So you talk to five more parents and they give you more to think about. And then you decide you need to go back to the first five parents that you talked to with more questions because the second set of five parents gave you more to think about. Then you start asking those parents if they can connect you to other parents who might be willing to answer some questions And maybe you join a Facebook group that's all about parents sharing their experiences about local schools. So you expose yourself to this endless stream of information and opinions that you feel like you need to consider before you can make a responsible decision about which school you want to be zoned for when you buy a house. (laughs) Okay, so that is what fact-finding might look like in that scenario. If you were to get stuck in second-guessing, You might say that you'll look for homes zoned for, I'm going to make up a name, Hidden Oaks Elementary because you've heard good things about them. Right. So you're kind of making this decision. But then you start thinking that their music program uh, is subpar and their campus is a little janky. You know, it's a few decades old. It needs some upgrades. So maybe you should look at a different school instead. So then you think, okay, I'll I'll look for a house that's zoned for I'll make up another Uh, named choosy elm elementary instead because they have an award-winning music program and a newer campus but then you realize that their grades are lower so then you start looking at (sighs) whimsy palm elementary also made up And they have a decent music program at a newer campus, but you've heard that the principal and like the main faculty are a little rude, and you're not sure that you want your kids in that type of environment. So that is second guessing. You're making a decision, but then you're immediately creating uncertainty around it. Now, if you were to get stuck in what ifing, you're gonna create hypotheticals. So you're looking for a house and you might wonder, what if we plan to go to one school, but my kid gets into a magnet program at a different school that we're not zoned for? Or you start thinking, what if the traffic in this neighborhood is really bad? Or you start thinking, what if I change jobs and then suddenly I have a commute that makes it impossible to both get my kid to school on time and get to work on time? right? So you're creating these hypothetical scenarios that don't actually exist and trying to solve for them in advance. Now, I want you to notice that in this very fictitious example, none of these things sound actually far-fetched. And in fact, a lot of it sounds very rational and logical, and maybe even it sounds responsible and proactive to you. And this is part of why analysis paralysis is so tricky, and and so sticky, right? So hard to get out of. It's because analysis paralysis comes across as us being smart. The fact finding, the second guessing, the what ifing, all of those could be useful in moderation because theoretically they can help you anticipate problems and solve them in advance. But that's not what actually happens. In analysis paralysis, all of the fact finding, the second guessing, and the what ifing is never ending. You literally cannot do enough of it to feel ready to decide. Every piece of information, or every alternative you identify, or every hypothetical you imagine just raises more questions and increases doubt. And the end result is that you stall out. You don't decide, you don't take action. And this is the paradox of analysis paralysis. Your brain is using lots of energy on thinking and problem solving. So you feel like you're doing a lot, but nothing is actually happening and you're not moving forward. In your effort to make the right decision, you make no decision at all and take no action. It's like... I'm going to make up an analogy. It's like driving on a super highway that's just a really big circle. It doesn't matter how fast you go or how many mile markers you pass, you will never actually end up at a destination because it's a big old circle. But what you will do is burn up your gas and rack up miles on your car as if you were taking a cross-country road trip. (laughs) And you know the other problem with analysis paralysis It feels terrible. It sucks. Your mindset, when you're in the middle of analysis paralysis, the kinds of thoughts you experience and the things that you start believing, your mindset in the middle of analysis paralysis becomes a breeding ground for all kinds of negative and unhelpful feelings. Feelings like anxiety, doubt, confusion, guilt, shame, And all of those feelings just make it harder to make good decisions. All of those negative feelings make it harder to take action. So your analysis paralysis stops you from making decisions and taking action. Even though you're trying to give yourself what you feel like you need to make decisions and take action. So, dear listener, if you are not getting things done and you're not making progress on something that really matters to you, and you feel like crap because you're stuck in the middle of an analysis paralysis cycle, I want to help you break it. (laughs) So here are my four best tips to help you move past analysis paralysis. Tip number one, get clear on the decision that's in front of you and let that be your only focus. So let's say you're on the dating market. If someone has invited you out to dinner, you're not being asked to exchange marriage vows or merge bank accounts, right? The invitation, the decision in front of you is dinner or no dinner. Share a meal in a few hours or no, (laughs) right? Uh, If you've been offered a job interview, that's not the same thing as having been offered a job, right? You're not being asked to commit. You're being asked to be considered for additional consideration, right? Sometimes we struggle with decisions because they feel too weighty. They feel like too much. And so a good way to kind of bring down the heat a bit is to lighten up and ease the burden of choice. So get clear on the decision that's in front of you and just focus on that. Tip number two is to make room for uncertainty. And yes, I know this is easier said than done, but it's an important tip. So I want you, or I invite you, to set aside your need to solve for every factor and every problem in advance. Let's instead start with the assumption that you cannot get to a perfect choice, that there is no such thing as the perfect choice or the right choice. Let's start with the framework that there is no right choice. So instead of trying to obsess over getting to that right or perfect choice, instead, we're gonna make room for uncertainty. And the question to ask yourself is, what choice can I live with? That's very different than, is this the right choice? I also want you to think that not all uncertainty is the same. And this is really important because this is how you allow yourself to make room for uncertainty. Not all uncertainty is the same and not all uncertainty is going to be equally important to you. So figure out what kind of uncertainty you can actually live with and practice letting that uncertainty just be there then work and, and focus on instead reducing, not eliminating, but reducing the type of uncertainty that you can tolerate the least and in the places where uncertainty matters the most, right? Just focus on reducing the uncertainty in those areas. Tip number three, give yourself a deadline and then honor it. Okay, I hope you saw this one coming, right? You have to decide. Because, spoiler alert, you actually have to make a decision and then act on it to break the analysis paralysis cycle. So, going back to my analogy, if analysis paralysis is a circular superhighway, then you have to take an off-ramp to stop going in circles. And the decision and acting out the decision is the off-ramp. So... Now, some situations have natural built-in deadlines, right? So if you get invited to dinner by a a potential suitor, let's say they've invited you to dinner Friday at seven o'clock, you don't get to wait until Saturday to decide. It has a natural built-in deadline. Um, Likewise, if you've been offered a job interview, if you delay and don't respond, chances are that job, that company is going to move on to the next candidate, right? because they're not gonna wait forever. So in these cases where there's a natural built-in deadline, I invite you to think about what you stand to lose for as long as you don't decide and you don't take action, right? Um, And when there's no natural built-in deadline into your situation, just try assigning a deadline to yourself because that can be at least a good place to start if you have never been able to get yourself into action. And my fourth tip for breaking the analysis paralysis cycle is to trust your your future self to make good decisions based on what you learn from the decisions you make today. Trust me when I say this will not be the last decision you make, whatever the decision is. It's not going to be the last decision. More decisions are always on the way. And Taking imperfect action on imperfect information is the best way to actually gather data to better inform your decisions. So, the answer to analysis paralysis is actually action, not just for the sake of action itself, but to actually create a cycle of action and decisions. You've got to start the cycle somewhere. So start with the decision in front of you and trust your future self to make an even better decision based on what you learn when you act on the decision that you're making now. So those are my tips for helping you get past analysis paralysis. As always, I hope this was helpful to you and I hope that you won't just sit on this information, put it to use, put it into action and start flying through the decisions in your life. And if you enjoyed this episode, of course, I would love to hear your key takeaways or which one of these four tips was your favorite. So come find me on social media and let me know. My handle is at LifeEditProject, all one word, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can tag me in a post or just drop me a line in my DMs. My DMs are always open. Either way, I would love to hear your feedback. So that is episode three in the books. I will be back with you next week with more juicy goodness and a fresh episode. Until then, make good but imperfect choices. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Life Edit Project podcast. I'd love to hear what your favorite moment or key takeaway was from this conversation. You can send me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter to let me know. My handle is at Project, all one word, in all the places. My social media is linked up in the show notes to make it easy for you. Holla at your girl. I'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, don't just stay busy with the life you have. Get busy creating the life you want.